Jesus Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. We're in the middle of our sermon series, Hebrews. Jesus, as it says, the perfect priest, the superior sacrifice. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we gather together to hear your word proclaimed, Lord. Prior to, we just sang songs worshiping your name. I pray that we can continue to have the same heart as we dig into your word here in Hebrews and we can see Jesus and the sacrifice that he made and what it means for us for him to be the ultimate, the highest priest ever. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. Bob Weber, he is not this individual pictured on the screen right now. Actually, Bob Weber was a former president for the international chapter of the Kiwanis. That's not really what's important, but I want to give him credit because he tells this story about a paper boy. See, Bob used to travel around and speak, and one time he found himself in a small town, and he spoke early in the evening, and that evening he stayed at a farmer's house. The local farmer was nice enough to put up Bob for the evening. See, this local farmer had puppies for sale. Not that Bob wanted to buy the puppies, but when the paper boy came that evening to deliver the evening newspaper, he saw the sign and inquired about the puppies. He asked the farmer, he said, sir, how much for those puppies? And when the farmer gave him the price of $30, now you would adjust that for inflation today, the boy hung his head low and said, I just can't afford that. Would you take payments? What if I paid you 25 cents for the next X number of weeks to buy one of these puppies? And the farmer said, no, I I can't can't really do that to you. Well, see, what happened was, and this is the reason why the boy wanted a puppy, After he saw the litter run to him for calling out the puppies, he noticed that one puppy came late, and that puppy was limping. And what happened was he realized that that puppy was limping because the farmer, when he asked him what the problem was, it was due to the fact the puppy was born without a hip socket. And that's when the little boy said, I'll give you 25 cents a week for that puppy. And the reason why the farmer said no was because he didn't want to give the young boy a crippled puppy. But the boy looked up at the farmer and said, sir, you just don't understand why I want this puppy. And he proceeded to roll up his own pant leg and expose metal braces and a leather strap around his own leg. See, the boy wanted the puppy because he felt like he could relate to the puppy. He could sympathize with a puppy that had to go through a life crippled. And he wanted to own a dog that he could sympathize with and care for because he knew what it was like to go through life in such a way. Brothers and sisters, we too have been crippled. We too have been disfigured. And we've been so by our own sin. However, we have living hope. We have living hope in Jesus. See, Jesus sympathizes with our discouragements. He sympathizes 
with our temptations. He even sympathizes with our anxiety over death. That's right. The same Jesus who knew that he was going to go to the cross and didn't cry tears like we cry tears. He didn't sweat like we sweat. No, he sweated blood. Church, our living hope in Jesus is solely due to his resurrection, which is where we find strength in the midst of our weakness. And this brings us to the title of our sermon this morning, Throne of Grace, Throne of Grace. Today we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 4, so if you would like to join us in your Bibles, feel free. As always, each and every verse will be on the screen for you. We're going to be in chapter 4, looking at verses 14 through 16 this morning. Last week, we cannot forget that we were encouraged to know that sin cannot hide from God, who exposes all. Also, we recognize that exposed sin finds comfort in Jesus. See, God has exposed our sin so we can take comfort. It's like having that weight lifted off of your shoulders. So we take comfort in Jesus and His work. Today, however... We need to know that we've been crippled and disfigured by sin. All because we first gave in to temptation. Temptation is not the same as sin, but it's all due to us giving in to temptation is the reason why we've been crippled and disfigured by our sin. And we're going to recognize our need to take refuge in Jesus who can sympathize. Because after all, Jesus knows temptation too. And he certainly knows death. Let's take a look at our verses this morning and see where we get this from. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14, 15, and 16. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. These three verses into one sentence looks just like this, and this will be our main idea. Mercy is achieved through Jesus who knew temptation but never knew sin. Mercy is achieved through Jesus, who knew temptation, but never knew sin. What does freedom look like to you? What does freedom look like to you? Does it look like this piece of paper? Because after all, really, that's all that this is. Some would actually say it's these words on this particular document. That's what actually leads to freedom. What if I told you that this document isn't real freedom? Seriously. Now, I I know that we would all think differently now, wouldn't we? We would say, no, 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 you don't understand the United States Constitution. That's, That's real freedom. Well, that's true, until you just start ignoring what those words say. And let's face it, they're just words that men manipulate and change anyway. That's what lawyers are good at. 
I would argue and say at this stage in the game for us, as, as we just observe everything that's going on around us, I think it's pretty safe to say that this is not real freedom. Brothers and, and sisters, we can say this because we know that real freedom actually is found in confidence. Confidence in being free from uncertainty. Confidence in being free from embarrassment. Now, that's what we're ultimately trying to protect. That's what we, we talk about. We, we see what our leaders do, and then we, we worry on how others perceive us because of what we're doing as a whole. Whether you're on this side of the spectrum or that side of the spectrum, I've heard both sides say the same thing. I've heard one side apologize to the world for our former leaders, and then I've seen this side apologize to the world for our current leaders. And let's face it, this is nothing new. This has been going on since the beginning. But it's not real freedom. You can't find confidence in a piece of paper like this that gets neglected anyway. But you can, however, find true freedom and real confidence in our living hope. And his name is Jesus. Confidence in his work and not our own. Because after all, we've all been crippled and disfigured because of our own actions of giving in to temptation. Because let's face it, we're all sinful men and women. Just like the same men who wrote up the words to this document that we see here. And we observe these three truths about Jesus in verse 14 alone. And right out the gate, let's first look at one of these three things. Firstly, Jesus is the superior priest. Now, priest means mediator. He's a mediator. See, he basically is the go-between. He's the one that we need in order to have a relationship with God. Technically, though, when you look at priesthood, it did begin with Moses and Aaron. And we could say, just by looking at the garden, that Adam was, in fact, the very first priest. Because Adam was in God's Shekinah glory. Now... Judaism would claim today that Christianity has no priests. But Christians can say the same thing about Judaism. Because the Jews haven't had a priest since A.D. 70. The reason being is because the temple, the place where the sacrifices would happen, has been destroyed. I find that rather ironic. See, the Jews no longer practice sacrifices once a year for the atonement of sin because they don't have a temple to do it in. But as believers, we know the real reason why. See, the reason why the Jews no longer sacrifice is because the ultimate sacrifice has already happened in Jesus. Second, the second truth we observe is that Jesus, as it says, passed through the heavens. See, the, the priests of Aaron's day was a temporal sanctuary here on earth. Jesus is not bound by earth. He passed through the heavens. And when you see that language, basically what that means is this, you have the earth. 
You have outer space. And then you have the dimension beyond space. Jesus has passed through all. The priests that went before him were unable to do so. Now, the third truth we observe is this. It says it right here. Jesus is called the Son of God. See, this represents Jesus as both being man and God. And this has everything to do with what we're talking about this morning with Jesus being able to sympathize with us because he was fully man and fully God. The temptation that he was under was real. Jesus really could have given in. But he didn't. And that's why he's our living hope. Because he did not give in to the temptation that was before him. Brothers and and sisters, this is what we just said. This is the confession that we hold fast to as it says here in the text. That truth right there. The truth that we know that there's no longer a need for a priesthood because Jesus is the superior sacrifice. Jesus is the perfect priest. Now, if you're like me, you could just take that thought and run with it a little bit. I would assume most of us know more Catholics than Jews. I have a plethora of Catholics in my own family. Think about that. We don't need a priest other than Jesus. It's important that we hold fast, though, to that confession. But also it's important when we look at Colossians 2.8, do not turn there. I'm just going to read this for you. This is important for us to realize. Hold fast to that confession, right? Now listen to this. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Be aware of seductive teachings and mystical practices. Be aware. There are teachings out there that are so seductive. But the problem with any form of mysticism, any form of seduction within teaching, the problem is it ends up making everything about the gospel about us. It's about what I can do to please God. God is only pleased in us through our faith in Christ. There is absolutely nothing that we can do outside of having faith in Jesus that would ever please God on the level to bring us salvation. Salvation is only achieved by God's grace and through our faith in Him and His work. Let us remember that paper boy with that leg brace. You know, he had sympathy for that crippled puppy church We need to hold fast to our confession, as it says, because Jesus, who has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. See, this is similar to what we would call arbitration. Arbitration, we talked about a mediator earlier. See, it's expensive to go to the court of law, isn't it? In fact, if you can avoid going to the court of law, I would recommend you do so. Arbitration is when you find a qualified individual who can be sympathetic to both sides, but yet make an unbiased decision. A lot of times in arbitration, 
Parties will seek out a retired judge or retired judges who have experience in the courtroom will act as an arbitrator for both sides. One side takes their case, the other side takes their case. It's less expensive, and then they both agree to whatever that former judge or whoever the arbitrator is, they will go with their decision. That's who Jesus is for us. Not that he is making a specific decision for us daily in our lives, but this has everything to do with our living hope of salvation. He's our mediator. He's the one that's going to make it happen. Jesus is our arbitrator, and he can do this because he is an eternal God, and he's fully man at the same time. Because he's passed through the heavens, because he's resided here on earth as God in human flesh, he can sympathize and make the arbitration for us to God because he understands what the temptation's like. But he also understands as God what it's like not to give in to temptation. Unfortunately for us, there is not one of us here this morning who can say the same. And this is the reason why Jesus is who the Bible says that he is. He is the superior sacrifice. He is the perfect priest. One commentator says it well when he says this. I just want to read his words. This is a good bit like our position as we stand before God due to our sin. The situation has reached an impasse. Nothing we can say or do can satisfy God. In fact, because of our sin... We cannot even approach him. One person, however, can do something about it, our high priest, Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, be encouraged by this truth. We all struggle with temptation. Remember, when you're struggling with the temptation in your life, Always remember that Jesus was tempted too. Verse 16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. If you ask me, this is what freedom looks like. This is what freedom looks like. Confidence. In the throne of grace. Jesus sits upon the throne of grace because he is the perfect priest. Because he is the superior sacrifice. And God extends that grace to us. Because of Jesus, we have freedom. Ultimately, because of Jesus, we have the freedom to approach God without fear. Every country starts off great until it turns into a dictatorship. So, again, what does freedom really look like to you? Like, you know, what are you really fighting for? I mean, are you somehow going to have less freedom than an Afghan Christian because your, your, your country's collapsing right before your eyes? I mean, if you think like that, get off your high horse. 
Think about everything that you're reading on social media. Think about some of the things that you're posting. If it's about your country first and Jesus second, you're missing the point. This country could collapse in your lifetime and you can still remain free. Because freedom is not found in some man-made piece of paper. Freedom is found in worship. And we can approach God without fear. Real freedom is found in our confidence. Church, this is our confidence to draw near. And when we draw near, like we're being told to here in the text this morning, it means that we can freely worship God. And worship as a definition, if we want to define what worship is, it's an appropriate response to who God is. Are you appropriately responding to who he is? The throne of grace is where God gives out his free gift. That's what grace is. Grace is a gift given freely. We accept his gift and we respond by accepting his gift in faith in Jesus. As you draw near to the throne of grace, how are you responding personally? Are you responding in worship daily? Are you maybe asking yourself the question right now? Like, I want to respond appropriately to God, but I don't even know how I can worship God daily. Because let's face it, some of us think that worship only happens when we come here and sing songs. I would like to just go over a few ways that each and every one of us could worship God each and every day and take it seriously. From the time that our feet hit the ground getting out of bed until the time our feet are almost upright but parallel laying down again. See, one of the things that we can do the minute our feet hit the ground is put God or put Jesus in his rightful place each and every day. Now that's on his throne of grace. Put him on the throne over your life each and every day. You can do this through prayer. Pray to ask God to reveal ways in which you're not putting him on his throne over your life. Or you can just do it through prayer when you're praying for others or giving thanks to God. You could pray and give him thanks for things because sometimes things happen to us and we think, wait, hold on, God, why would you allow that to happen to me? When really, whatever it is that's happening to you is really for your protection. God is always there for us, as Mike said this morning. Always. And sometimes it's his protection that's really guiding us. An easy way to, to maybe do that is to replace complaints in your life with praise. When you have a situation that you want to complain about, maybe find a way in which you should praise God in that situation. That is not easy to do. In fact, I would find that, or I do find that, shall I say, very difficult to do. But we can train ourselves to start seeing ways in which we can thank him no matter what it is that we're going through. A real easy way to worship God on a daily basis. Last evening, I was not the hero that Jared, Pastor Jared, was talking about with the subs. I was actually a real hero in my, my marriage. Like a real hero. Like, I'm talking... A real hero? Like I saved the day, I think. Maybe not. I don't know. 
Some of you guys, I'm going to tell you, tell you what I did, and you're going to be like, are you serious? For me, it was a big deal. I allowed my wife to allow me to agree to an impromptu, let's go watch the sunset on the beach session. Are you clapping, Miss Kathy? And here I thought I was like the role model husband. No, not even close. But my point is this. Not that we went on a date and watched the sunsets. That's not my point. My point is we enjoyed God's creation. It was just simple. It was just something simple. It wasn't on our schedule last minute. Hope asked me. I said, yeah, let's go do it. And we went and did it. Just the two of us. We can do that every day. There's so many ways in which we can just enjoy God's creation. And it was cool because there was a lot of other people on the beach doing the exact same thing. Other couples coming just minutes before the sun was about ready to set, putting out their blankets and watching the sun go down. It's amazing. In fact, I remember Hope at one point said, man, it's gigantic right now. Look how big the sun is. And I just, my first thought was, yeah, it is, but think about how big it is actually. You know, way bigger than what we even recognize with our naked eye. I think the, the last thing that we can do, which is actually really important because this is the greatest commandment in the Bible, one of the ways in which we can be cognizant of worshiping God on a daily basis is simple. Love God and love others. Find ways to serve one another. Think of others before you think of yourself because that's exactly what Christ modeled to us. So as Joe comes up here and joins me this morning, I just want to observe the, the very last part of, of verse 16 here. It says that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, God's mercy and grace are not one and the same. Mercy and grace are two totally different things. Mercy is basically God pardoning us from our own sinfulness. Grace is God's solution for our sinfulness. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you do not deserve. See, we don't deserve God's grace, but he extended it to us anyway for the sole purpose of having a relationship with us. That kind of puts new meaning to love God, love others, doesn't it? Look at the sacrifice. Think about everything that we're talking about this morning. The reason why Jesus can sympathize with us is because as God, he left heaven, took on human flesh, and experienced sin almost. He experienced a sinful world, tempted to sin, but never did sin himself. And we're being encouraged to find grace here. It's not that grace was somehow lost and now we have to go find it. Rather, it's that we need to be purposeful when we draw near to God, drawing near as in worshiping the Lord. Brothers and sisters, we are going to be tested. We are going to be tempted. And I want to mimic what Mike said earlier. Just because we follow Christ does not mean your life's going to be easier. In fact, Choosing to follow the Lord may just make your life that much more difficult. But sometimes God will use difficult people and difficult circumstances in your life to remind you that you need to draw near to the throne of grace as it says here. Church, 
to worship God on such a level is to embrace true freedom. We the people? Nope. I don't say we the people. What I would like to start saying is we the church. We the church. We are the body of Christ. Our living hope is in Him, the one who can sympathize with us. Because after all, and as we've been seeing all throughout Hebrews, Jesus is the perfect priest and He is the superior sacrifice. And this brings us to our one lone point this morning. And that states this. Real freedom is found in the grace and mercy achieved by Jesus. Real freedom is found in the grace and mercy achieved by Jesus. Again, our main idea this morning states this. Mercy is achieved through Jesus who knew temptation but never knew sin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we part this morning and we go back into our individual lives that are separate from our regular fellowship here, I pray that we can be more reliant upon you, that we can understand your grace is a gift given freely, thankful for your mercy, and we can show this appreciation by drawing near to you through worship. Lord, use each and every one of us to share your good news with others, with those in our lives that you have placed there for the very specific purpose of sharing Christ and him crucified. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com, or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.